This podcast is brought to you by Voice of Vets. Voice of Vets. Hear it. Feel it. Feel it. Feel it. Feel it. Now, joining us on the line to provide reaction and insight to the statement, it is an esteemed honor and privilege for me to welcome Prince Manene Tabane onto the COVID report. He is the Controlessa Provincial Chairperson in Gauteng, having held the position since the year 2002. And he is also the Prince of the Mpondo Mise Nation of the Eastern Cape, while also serving as a member of the Controlessa National Executive Committee. Prince, good evening. Thank you so much for your time and welcome to the COVID report. Good evening, Mshekaz, and also good evening to your listeners. Thank you so much for affording us the time to have this conversation with you, Prince. Could you please start by giving us your initial thoughts and reaction to the statement released by the PICC? I guess the statement was just in line with what is prevailing in the society. The challenges that are gaining momentum against whatever we may do in the society as we speak. When the president of the country announced that we were mindful of the challenges that this cultural practice will also be impacted negatively. Remember, it was announced during the time of the initiation season, especially in the areas like Eastern Cape and Western Cape, when most cases boys will be ready to go to the initiation school to transform from boyhood to manhood. Mm-hmm. Now, it has just got us off guard because, indeed, we were mindful that when these things they come up, will not be negligent and will not be saying, let's go ahead, regardless of what we see before us happening in the society. When uh, the Eastern Cape took a decision to then say we suspend the initiation schools, it was our view also because of the prevailing circumstances. Remember, Contralesa had an earlier statement with regards to the initiation schools that uh, we need not to juggle or take chances with the situation as it prevails to our society, then I guess it was in line with what Ugosuma Fuso in the Eastern Cape have alluded to and in the entirety of traditional leadership, that the priority must be given to the safety of our boys. Because the issue of going to initiation school, it's not going to last only because of the winter season. We may have devised means that those that are not at school as we speak once the virus or the level may come down, we may then say during the course of the year, they can be allowed, an arrangement can be made for those that they must go to the initiation school during the course of the year. So that those who are still at school, they will find their time when the schools are closed so that we reduce the burden and the number and the influx of boys that were supposed to have gone to initiation school in June so that when they go to initiation schools in December, we will use that, the burden of the number that may arise because we have suspended the initiation school during this season. Insightful stuff. Thank you very much for that. Now, in your opinion, Prince, how do the recent developments in our fight against COVID-19 reflect on the government's efforts and capabilities to curb the spread of this virus and end this pandemic? In our view, is that that there's a disappointment. Remember, when we were told by the government that at this point we would have reached a certain percentage of people that would be vaccinated in the country, but then it was just contrary to what they alluded to. We are aware that we were told that a certain percentage would have been targeted and reached at this time. We have heard stories that there's a delay in terms of these vaccines to come to the country and vaccinate people. At one stage, 
there were vaccines that came to the country and then they were referred to the African countries. There were issues around that. But the bottom line is that we feel that the government is not doing enough. It has been said all over the news that the capacity is a challenge in the government. Remember, when the government started the issue of vaccination, they made it very stem to say they are only going to be their sole responsible entity to dish out the vaccination to the people. But when they realize that there's a challenge, it's then that they have agreed to say it will then be given to the private sector to assist. Even there, there are still challenges, which I think is affecting our own communities. I read in the news on TV when they said a nearby neighboring country, Zimbabwe, has surpassed us in terms of numbers of people that have been vaccinated compared to South Africa. If you look between South Africa and Zimbabwe, South Africa is a better organized in terms of the infrastructure. We should at least reach a certain target in the country. Now there are stories that uh, we may even reach, if I'm correct, a 60% by next year, which is a challenge again because the virus is ravaging the society. It's worse now when we are told about the Delta variant, which I'm told is very stubborn. We are all afraid. It's affecting us negatively. It's affecting the economy. So should we continue, government should step up their priorities in terms of dealing with the challenge. For as long as government, there will be these delays. The victims will be the society. Indeed, 100% agreed with you, Prince Tabane. Now, from your observations, have the Kosa communities that are impacted greatly by this decision always been compliant to the health regulations as far as wearing masks and sanitizing, practicing social distancing? And again, in your opinion and from your position of insight, how much of a blow do you see this decision being to those communities, specifically those within these communities who were eagerly looking forward to this time of the year? It has impacted negatively. But recalling the Eastern Cape, there are people who have planned for these uh, traditional ceremonies, Uluwalugo, long time ago. Now that there's this challenge of people losing their jobs, people are afraid that even the money that they've organized for preparations of initiation schools, it will be used elsewhere. And that again will impact negatively. But nonetheless, even if we know in these situations, like what Kosma Buso has alluded to, to say they can go to the initiation schools, those that are already there, but we cannot allow the new initiation schools to be erected now. We can only allow those that are there, they finish their term and come back home and graduate. But the issues of immigrant cannot be allowed. Usually in the Eastern Cape, some parts of the Eastern Cape, they allow that situation that you can even have umkid after two to three years, once you have organized in terms of the finances. But the impact is very adverse in society in general. But recall that in the rural areas, this issue is still a dream that they will be vaccinated. As we speak, if you look in the urban settlement, many people are chewing for this vaccine. It's delaying. How much more in the rural areas where roads are a challenge? How do they arrive in those areas? It's just something that is unimaginable that how the government will assist but. In our view is that it's high time that government should not trust itself alone. The government should liaise with the authorities that are in the rural areas. In this instance, they must use Amakom in terms of vaccination. They must liaise and work together with the traditional leaders in those areas so that they are minimized these challenges that we see that at the end of the day, they will cause more harm.
than do what you expect to save lives. Indeed. And you heard President Soramaposa mentioning that things like after tears and the like are prohibited and funerals themselves are going to be limited in attendance. So in your opinion, how much damage do you see this pandemic continuing to do to South Africans who desperately want to be in touch with their traditions, be in touch with their cultures, practice and observe their traditional and uh, cultural customs and practices and the ways in which this pandemic is preventing all of that from happening. Do you see that having a much larger and much more tragic impact on the cultural society of our country as the time continues to progress? Indeed, this is very worrisome. Remember, when we are not practicing our cultural practices, in some way, one way or the other, we'll tend to lose our cultural identity. In the process, we'll be a different nation. Remember these cultural practices. They are just passed on from generation to generation. Now, we may have longer time without practicing our culture. That would impact negatively. Remember, especially in the Eastern Cape and other provinces, we have got this, which is still in our minds, that at a certain stage, a boy should go to initiation schools. Failing that, there will be negative repercussions. The behavior of the boy will tend to be a problem in the society. Therefore, we need to avoid such things to happen in our society. Now that we are also worried that if the government can put more stringent restrictions on the cultural practices, we are also looking whether these restrictions are only targeting our cultural practices versus what is happening from the government side. But then again, our argument will be taken further. If again and again, we'll always be told that let's restrict these cultural practices, and yet other things are happening under lockdown regulations. If there are lockdown regulations, definitely sure, they are meant for everybody within that space when he conducts whatever. He should be by by the lockdown regulations, which I guess in this case, we need to live under a new normal. They've been talking about new normal. I guess the issue of new normal will be applicable as the time goes on. If the pandemic doesn't stop, it goes on further. Take it for an example. There was a debate talking about whether we proceed with our local elections, whether we postpone the local elections. If we postpone the local elections based on the scientific evidence, that is fine. But if there's time again when they will say, let's go ahead with local elections, what would stop us? not to go ahead with our cultural practices because we'll conduct those initiation schools under the new normal so that we'll comply. We'll be compliant to that. I don't think it will be a problem for us to do that. Our worry is not to practice our culture because it will disintegrate us as a unity, as people. And the Ubuntu will disappear again because that's where we build. We believe that we build and nurture our boys to be responsible in the society. I know the second point, one may even say, what is it that we are doing? Because some of these boys, they misbehave. Let me make an example about Nkhaute. Once Ulalu can start in the street, then it's not a cultural practice that we know. It starts in the family. Now, people, I understand it is our role to educate them. Those that they go to initiation schools, when they come back, they misbehave. In most cases, they come from the illegal initiation schools. And again, there will be a question. 
What's the difference if you talk about illegal initiation schools? We believe that the parents should be central in preparing for their kids to go to the initiation school. But these boys, they are just abducted. Some of them, they don't even practice this culture in their families. So those boys are the ones that when they come back, they give problems to the society. So that is my point that if we cannot allow the situation to manage the process of initiation schools, we will find many boys going to initiation schools against the will of the parents. There will be a pressure. Then there will be a mushrooming of illegal initiation schools. If we may always, all the time, say the initiation schools are prohibited, we need to find a way. This is the same as if you talk about economic recovery. We cannot close all the time because we lose economy. It is applicable even in our fight on the cultural practices. Indeed, Prince Abane. And I'm going to latch on to what you were saying about the new normal because that serves as a great segue to my next question. Can you please talk us through the various conversations that Contralesa and bodies like the PICC have engaged in as well as other traditional governing bodies to try to find ways to practice these sacred traditional customs in a safer manner that could possibly lead to them being able to practice even during this pandemic? And have these discussions been fruitful anyway. Let me just give you an example. Some of us who have been trained by an organization called Doctors Without Borders. Their intention was that let's capacitate anyone in the society so that when you conduct your practices, when you conduct your activities, you know how to conduct them. If we then say, let's live under new normal, all what you are being told to say for us to be safe, this is the way to go. There will be no challenge. There will be no problem to take, for an example, a sanitizer to the initiation school. There will be no problem to keep a social distancing in the initiation schools. There will be no problem to say there will be no people that will come closer to the initiation schools because we're avoiding this issue of social distancing. So everything will happen as normal in the initiation school because even in terms of the numbers, we will be mindful that a certain number is needed. We are limited not to go beyond a certain number in the initiation school. But in that way, we will feel comfortable because we will be practicing our culture in a manner that we want. So there will be no problem indeed when you talk about a new normal. If the word new normal was not there, I would understand it differently. So the word new normal should be applied selectively. Absolutely. Thank you very much for that, Prince Tabane. Now, in your opinion, what kind of adverse impact do you see the decision to suspend the June season of initiation having on the mental health of the boys who have now been told that thanks to this lockdown level four, I will no longer be able to go down to initiation school. I have friends of mine who have already gone to initiation school, who managed to go to initiation school before lockdown level four became a thing and now i'm being told that i can't go because the regulations prevent me from doing so what kind of impact on these boys mental health do you see this decision having and as an organization how are you looking into addressing this issue to avoid tragic situations like Kosa boys committing suicide out of a perceived shame and embarrassment for not being able to participate in initiation and not being able to make that transition from boyhood to manhood along with their peers and friends. Indeed, you are quite correct. This has got a psychological impact to the boys, especially those who are prepared to go to initiation school. 
because it's causing what do you call it a social stigma. If you didn't go to initiation at a time that you were prepared to go to school, this thing we know it. It has been so serious in the Eastern Cape high schools. For an example, me, when I was at high school, when you arrive late at school, the teachers will then say, "Who are men here?" Then they will let men go. The boys will be slashed to say they've got no reason to be late. That on its own, it affected us negatively. When you propose a girl, she will tell you that you must first go to the mountain. Those are the things that they are playing into their minds. So psychologically, they impact to these boys negatively. What are the results? These boys will talk to their peers, who are just all others, to them by year or two, to say, can you go to an initiation school? A hidden place where you cannot find them. This is what has happened mostly in the Eastern Cape, especially in the parts of the Pondoland. Because these boys will then go to other boys, and they will agree and discuss it. Surely you know that, Mr. that we're going to initiation schools. Where are challenges that will emanate from that initiation school? We'll only get to know when there are challenges, when the boys have got, the process has gone wrong, that you are told these are the boys that are somewhere, they are taken to hospital. So if the government doesn't consider that, it will really, really, really impact negatively to our noble cultural practices and sacred. Therefore, government needs to know we need government so that we can work together. We understand their rules and regulations. We respect them. But in the same way, they should also consider our concerns regarding this. There was a story last December in East London where when the boys were told that they are not ready to go to school because of the COVID-19, what they did, they took all the old tires. They broke the road. They burned the tires because they said, we want to be men. You don't want to stay as young boys forever. Remember... In the rural areas, it is very, very serious to be regarded as a man when you are from there. So if you are not there, many, many issues will come out. The issues of killing themselves because they will feel embarrassed in the society because their past have gone through the cultural practice and they are being stopped in doing certain things. So they are not at liberty to express themselves in the society because they are not men. Those things, they are very serious in the society. Hence, we are saying, much as we respect what the government is saying, government must come to the party and we must find each other so that we live amicably in the society and harmoniously so. Indeed. And to round out our conversation, Prince Tabane, do you think that government has done enough to communicate the information surrounding this virus, these lockdowns, the various restrictions that have been put in effect, the vaccine rollout, everything about the vaccine itself and everything in between concerning COVID-19 in a manner effective enough to break past the language and access barriers and get to the members of these various communities communities that these traditional boards uh, serve on the ground. And in that vein, my follow-up question then to you is, in what ways would you say government needs to improve on this, needs to improve on being able to efficiently communicate all of this information surrounding this pandemic, our fight against this pandemic, this virus, these vaccines and these restrictions to those on the ground in the most efficient way possible, in a way that they can understand and in a way that they can comprehend. Thanks very much. Here, in the first instance, there's a lack of political will. Why I'm saying so? Have you ever seen politicians when it's election time? They will even go to the deepest rural areas where cars are not allowed to go in. 
They will even know house by house in the deepest, in the periphery of this country. They will have to spend time trying to convince an adult to say, vote for this party. They will try to entice that person with everything. They will give food parcels. To some extent, they will even buy people and give them money. The energy that the politicians, they do have when it goes to the elections should be the same energy that they can use to communicate their messages to the community regarding this deadly virus called Delta variant, uh, Corona. I guess there's a lack of political will because if you measure their performance, their energy, when it's political time versus when the social issues are affecting our communities, it's not the same. Hence, we have said from the beginning, the government should do more. If you talk about the traditional leaders, I would wonder, out of the traditional councils that we have in the country, how many traditional councils have been visited by the government, specifically the Department of Health, where some kind of a community dialogue can be conducted, observing lockdown regulations, spending time in the villages, talking about the dangers of the COVID. How can we survive? How can we save ourselves? That is not happening. And we are saying the government is not doing enough. There's a lack of political will. In this instance, I must be frank and open. It's very painful that, uh, for an example, I'm from a small district in the Eastern Cape called Hesher. That's dead straight. If you go to those villages, people are conducting their traditional ceremonies willingly, and nobody can stop them. We were told that police will monitor these traditional ceremonies, but it's not happening. But talk about elections. You'd watch now, we're heading towards elections, under COVID-19 restrictions, but politicians will find ways to go to those people. Indeed, it is a very sad situation and a very strong sense of inconsistency through this lack of political will, as you've just rightly referred to it, Prince Tabane. Thank you so much for joining us here on the show and having this discussion with us. We've just been joined on the line, Prince Manene Tabane, who is the Contreras Provincial Chairperson in Gauteng, having held that position since the year 2002. He's also the Prince of the Mpondomise Nation of the Eastern Cape, while also serving as a member of the Contralesa National Executive Committee. Prince Tabane, again, thank you so much for the wonderful insight and the passion and conviction with which you have helped me facilitate this discussion. It is an absolutely terrible and tragic situation that has unfolded with the reintroduction of lockdown level 4 regulations and how that has curtailed plans for so many Kosa families, not just in the Eastern Cape, but in parts of the Western Cape and other parts of the country who were very much looking for to this part of the year. So I look forward to paying close attention to how this situation continues to develop. I look forward to seeing what happens after the 14-day period and also look forward very much so to being able to have you on the show again in future. So until such a time, thank you so much for joining us on the COVID report. Thank you so much. This podcast was brought to you by Voice of Vids. By Voice of Vids. To hear more of our shows, tune in to 88.1. Or streams via www.varfm.co.za.